Hello, my name is Nick Spasic, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we have another installment in the series Your Favorite Soundtrack, where we talk to our favorite people about the soundtracks they love. This installment of Your Favorite Soundtrack sees us talking with W. David Keith about the soundtrack to the 1997 Paul Thomas Anderson film, Boogie Nights. Keith is a podcaster, artist, film director, writer, and producer who hails from Kansas City. Dave is the host of the Kansas City taco podcast, Taco the Town, where he reviews Kansas City and the surrounding area taco joints. Dave has written and directed the films The Last Jayhawker, Jacuzzi Nights, Dale's Still Dead, and the mockumentary Metcalf South Memories. He is currently finishing the musical film Sun Eaters, Loving Relationships. Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so we are talking Boogie Nights, the 1997 Paul Thomas Anderson film and its soundtrack. What was your first exposure to the movie? I remember it like it was yesterday. It was October 97. I, I believe I was a freshman at KU, um, but I saw it back in Overland Park with my brother and his friends and I don't think we I mean we kinda went because you know we were enticed by the trailer Mm -hmm. and of course my brother's friends were really into porn at the time (laughs) (laughs) and they're like this looks like a it looked like a comedy Mm -hmm. it looked like a a porno comedy Mm -hmm. because of the trailer and you never you didn't know what to expect and then I was I mean I was blown away. We saw it at that old. Did you did you grow up in Overland Park? I grew up around here. Around so here, yeah. um, there was an, a movie theater that was only open for like four years. It's now a, uh, a gym, which all the old movie theaters are turning into workout places. But it's like a twenty four hour fitness or something. It's called West Glen, and it was oh, yeah. yeah, it was like the state-of-the-art movie theater at the time, but it was only open for four years, and then they opened those AMCs, those big Mm -hmm. AMCs, and it kind of put them out of business. But that's where I saw it, and I think it was opening weekend or opening night, and it just, it was one of the best movie-going experiences besides, like, seeing Jackie Brown and, like, Pulp Fiction in the theater. Jackie Brown, which also came out that year. Yeah, yeah, um, and that was a great time. I mean, those that's when those kind of movies were coming out, Mm -hmm. like... And uh, it was like an event, and you'd go with your friends and just have a great time. And yeah, it was just instantly one of my favorite movies of all time. And 
in the soundtrack uh, is one of my old time favorite soundtracks too. So, so like this soundtrack that you have sitting here on on the table. Yeah, uh, I brought my copy, my CD. This is it's still it's scratched, still plays. Um, I also have Volume Two of the Boogie Nights soundtrack, but I like I like Volume One better, of course. But Volume Two is great as well. Now, did you buy that like at, right after you saw the film? I think so. I think I'd go to Best Buy and like <laughs> buy whatever. Back when Best Buy sold music. Yes. <laughs> I'm assuming the Best Buy on 95th. Yes. Yes, I think so. And uh, yeah, I, I mean that freshman year, I listened to this thing. It was the only CD I listened to, really. I mean, especially that fall. Um, and just, I would drive around campus. I used to have an apartment on uh, is Carson Place Apartments. Are those still there? Yeah, they're still there. Yeah, that's where I lived. And I, I drove a Chevy van, a big brown Chevy van. And I would drive around with the Boogie Night soundtrack blaring with the windows down. That was back when Planet or Yellow Sub was on campus. Yep. And... Uh, before they tore it down, which was really sad. But um, I drive by Yellow Sub and with the Boogie Night soundtrack blaring out my Chevy van, so it was a good time for me. Well, like the funny thing about it is, like the first soundtrack, like the the the, the original soundtrack is the one that has like the hits, right? Um, like I mean, and it, it kind of for the most part follows like the way they are in the film totally which yeah is, which is yeah kind of surprising honestly for like most soundtracks like because usually it's like you've got like your hit up front and everything but i think because this one is like all music of that era like it follows like you can it, it in chronological order as they appear in the film so yeah it almost it follows it like i watched the movie this week and uh, just to brush up, and it does. It almost follows it completely. Um, the only hit from the movie that's not on Volume 1 is really Jesse's Girl, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then there are a couple songs that aren't on both soundtracks that are in the movie, like um, 99 Love Balloons is in the movie. Love, love Balloons? What was the other one that um, I was thinking of? Oh, Lonely, Lonely Boy. Lonely Andrew, Boys? Andrew Gold, yeah. And uh, uh, the one that I, I can kind of understand that it wasn't on either soundtrack because it doesn't really fit at all is uh, Juice Newton's Queen of Hearts. Yeah, because I'm like, there's no way you can really like because you can you can kind of put like disco and classic rock back to back, especially from that era, because it's all kind of boogie music anyway. Yeah, that, and then I guess towards the end, or at the very end, when uh, Roller Girl's listening on her headphones, she's listening to Voices Carry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's not in either of them either, but you can't really hear that, um, and that wouldn't have fit on the soundtrack really either, so, um, but yeah, uh, Volume 2 has a lot of the uh, deep cuts, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot more disco too. The Volume 1 has a lot of the soul songs mm-hmm. that are on it, and of course, like you said, all the hits and the... Uh, Except for Jesse's Girls, so... The thing that really surprised me, though, like, when that first soundtrack came out was the fact that, like, Three Dog Nights, Mama Told Me Not To Come... Because that's used so prominently, like, in that first original trailer. Like, that was was the reason, like, this, this afternoon I went back, I was like, okay, I remember that being in the trailer... Was that right? And then I rewatched it. I'm like, oh yeah, it's like half of it. Right. Um, 
Although, strangely, the, the thing that blew me away, like, watching that trailer, I was like, wait, Diva's joking back and forth is, <laughs> right. like, like the middle third of that? I wonder if that was one of the original songs in, like, the uh, Alfred Molina scene, in, mm-hmm. like, the, the drug den scene. I wonder if that was going to be used in the film somewhere, or if just whoever was editing the trailer just added it in. But um, that would have been a cool song to be in the film. Okay, so, like, the the... For me, like, and I think for, like, when you think of music and Boogie Nights, the Alfred Molina scene with Sister Christian is, like, sort of the iconic, like, musical moment. Like, because that's where, like, you know, he's singing it. So... Yeah. And, uh, and then, and then the music stops, his tape stops, (laughs) and then Jesse's Girl starts up. Yeah, and um, I was listening to the commentary track with P.T. Anderson, and he was saying he gave Alfred Molina those songs, and he said, I want you to memorize these songs. And I guess he had an earpiece in that was feeding him the music um, for that scene. And, And that whole scene is really, yeah, it's all about the music. And the firecrackers, of course, but... And, 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 and the playing baseball. Right. I completely forgot about that line. I'm like, that is my that is my favorite bit of like weird drug like slang that I think I've ever heard outside of like training day and I didn't know you like to get wet. Like, <laughs> like things I was like, I, what what the hell are they talking about? I was like, oh, uh, he's he's smoking crack. I guess that um, that was taken directly from. The Wonderland Murders, and that's what the guy said, one of the, the drug dealers said in the Wonderland Murders, in the actual case, um, they quoted him and said, you guys like, you guys want to play baseball, or you guys play baseball, and uh, he took it from that. He, he uh, P.T. Anderson said he loosely based that scene on the Wonderland Murders, because he kind of read about it and then forgot the details, <laughs> and then he was like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, uh, we'll just have him go into a drug den, yeah, and then he forgot uh, some of the details, of it, but of course it wasn't exactly to, uh, he didn't want to make an exact recreation of that, but... Um, I thought it was funny noticing it now after recent movies. Um, his tape in the tape deck is called Awesome Mix. Mm-hmm. And that's, isn't that what the Guardians of the Galaxy tape is called? Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was done for, I wonder if James Gunn did that on purpose or. I was reading a thing, like somebody did like a retro, like, uh, like an article, like last year or the year before for like the anniversary of Boogie Nights and they were talking about the soundtrack and they were like they brought that up and they also brought up the fact that like Elvin Bishop's Fooled Around and Fell in Love is on it and like the way music is kind of used in that like in very like um, like it's there is music playing like most of the music in that movie isn't just like on the sound like like on the soundtrack it's coming out of speakers yeah it's like you're at a party and it's playing in the background especially at the pool party scene mm-hmm. and um and the, the opening I think there's scene. like five different songs in the pool party scene so um yeah the opening um but yeah I mean that's I wonder if he was I mean it's a great great movie to be influenced by so maybe I find that like I, I realized uh like rewatching it like there's a lot that Boogie Nights kind of has in common with like Goodfellas, yeah, like sort of in the the, the pacing and like the number of like just like continuous 
like the tracking shots, shots. Tracking shots yeah. through the crowd. Like where they're the like, introducing characters as you go through. Um, and also they both have excellent montages of people like doing way too much cocaine <laughs> and getting spun out. And like that's like the like that's that's when that's when the the roller coaster starts the the downward right yeah trajectory yeah they um I guess he was saying a lot of people do compare him to Scorsese the way he shot a lot of the Boogie Nights but he said he was he was more going for Jonathan Demi mm-hmm. I think yeah was his influence in the way he shot it um but yeah those that pool party tracking shot is the best and and the opening of course but and just like the way it follows into the pool <laughs> is just like what we tried I recently shot a music video and I tried to recreate that and it was so hard to do <laughs> because you don't realize when you get a bunch of people in a swimming pool the the water gets cloudy and we didn't plan it at the beginning of the day we planned that shot towards the end of the day and the water was completely cloudy and there was no way we were going to get that shot so my attempt at recreating the boogie nights uh, <laughs> underwater tracking shot did not work so what of 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 the first soundtrack like what's your favorite cut off of it that's a good question um i think i was I was thinking of this, and I love the last three, or maybe the last four songs before the um, before the score starts. I love the score as well, but that combo of "Ain't No Stopping Us Now," "Sister Christian Living Thing," and then "God Only Knows." I mean, those four just really end the soundtrack up right. But I think it has to be the hidden track, which this soundtrack <laughs> has. This soundtrack has a hidden track. I wish there were more hidden tracks. Do people do hidden tracks anymore? I don't know. Uh, I know, like, hidden tracks were, like... They, I think those were very much, like, a thing of the 90s. Yeah. You can kind of do it on vinyl where you just, like, put a lock groove on the last track and then you have to, like, lift the needle and put it Oh, over. yeah. So you can still kind of do it. But it's, like, it's nigh impossible to... You can't really do it digitally. Right. it's just, like, why is this track so long? Right. But... Yeah, the the hidden track uh, of the infamous uh, um, the touch the touch by Stan <laughs> Bush. Uh, we we I did an episode with Stan Bush. No way. Where, where and we I, I uh, and we talked about like that, and he's actually gotten to talk to Mark Wahlberg about it. Oh, and, awesome! And evidently, they both they're it's like a mutual appreciation society. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that is like that scene is like so painful, <laughs> but also like it's so like heartfelt. Yeah, they. Um, P.T. Anderson said he didn't want to give away if Mark Wahlberg was just a terrible singer. This is more on the um, "Feel the Heat" song. That opens the soundtrack uh, where John C. Riley's playing playing the guitar. But um, he said, "I don't want to give away if Mark Wahlberg's a terrible singer or if he was acting like he was a terrible singer. I'll leave that up to you guys to figure out." But um, yeah, he, he didn't really give that away. But it kind of sounds like that's really what he would be like. But he said he actually sounds pretty good on the touch. Yeah, he sounds better on the touch than he does on Feel the Heat. Um, at the time, I had I wasn't into Transformers as much as I was into G.I. Joe toys so I never saw the Transformers movie (laughs) 
so I I didn't have any clue that that was a Transformers the movie song, and then I was playing it for a friend back in you know 1997, and they're like, "This is a Transformers song." <laughs> I was like, "What?" And uh, and since I've heard and seen the video for the original, and um, the original's really nice. I like the yeah. original as well. No, I like the fact that the backing track is exactly the same. Though. Like that's what <laughs> right. that's what blows my mind because I'm like, wait. Like, like in this world, like is that his song? It, That's what I keep thinking about too. It's like, did he do it before Stan Bush, and then when they didn't give him the master copies, they like gave the song to Stan Bush, or I guess Stan Bush wrote it. But yeah, we're creating a uh, a, a universe, a fictional uh, other timeline, a Boogie Nights timeline, a Boogie Nights timeline. <laughs> um, so the. I think the weirdest thing about Boogie Nights, I think, like, li- when you go through and, like, there's something like, God, there's, like, 45 songs on the soundtrack or something. 40, 43, uh, according to TuneFind. Um, uh, and the the song Boogie Nights is not actually anywhere in the film. Right, yeah. <laughs> that was what I was going to say. The, the song Boogie Nights by Heatwave is not... In the movie or on any of the soundtracks, yeah, yeah, I, that that's pretty cool. I mean, he just probably liked the title. I think I, I like it because title. I think it would be like too on yeah on point, right? Like, exactly. It, it's like what's the bit? Like I have the titular line in Out of Africa, like that that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and I listened to that song recently, and I don't think it would have fit. I don't know. There's something about it that's a di- it's almost a different feel than some of the disco that's in Boogie Nights. And a lot of people think of Boogie Nights as a disco movie, but there's only a couple disco scenes and it's not like Saturday Night Fever or anything. So, um and Paul Thomas Anderson even said, you know, I realized my mistake in making this movie is oh shit, now I have to have disco music because <laughs> it takes place during when disco was at its peak, so but then he was like, ah, it's it's all right, it worked out. So he didn't want to make it. He didn't want to make a cliche disco movie with people in the polyester and stuff. But it, I mean, the disco scenes are great, and um, the dancing is so good. Yeah, choreography is great. Yeah, I, I, um, and then and, and a lot of people. And Paul Thomas Anderson says too, you know. 
a lot of people just think this is a porno movie. It's a it's a nudie flick, and that's not the case at all. It's a it's a, a film about family. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like you get to the end, and like God only knows starts playing, and you're just like. It's it's like strangely like you've come to really like care about these people, uh, despite the fact that like they make terrible decisions, <laughs> which is like you know if nothing else that is like very much like a, a metaphor for family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, I remember being in the theater, seeing it for the first time, and when you when he after the drug scene and he escapes in the Corvette. And you don't know where he's going to go, and you see his Corvette stalled out, and you see him, you know, knock on that door. I was thinking he was going back to his parents, and then he's going back to Jack, which I thought was was great. It was the only way to go. But I was like, he's not going back to his parents, is he? Um, but that was that was a great ending. Like when it, like when, when when the scene where he quits. Like gets fired and everything, and he's like yelling, like "You're not my mom." I'm like, that's like the most like a. It's a lie. I mean, that's a weird, you know, sort of situation. <laughs> but I mean, it is. It, 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 it's like a lie. It's because like she, like they are his surrogate parents because his mother's a horrible human being, um, and it's just like, oh no, this is like the family that actually like cared about him, like. Yeah, legitimately, like that's the weirdest thing of the whole thing is like you, like you, you know, you you want the you think like the porn director is going to end up being like this scumbag who exploits him, and it's no, he like legitimately cares about everybody who works for him, and it's like these parties are because he wants to do nice by mm-hmm. them. Yeah, and I think that scene is the scene where didn't. Paul Thomas Anderson get into like a fist fight with Burt Reynolds or, or something like that. Something they, like that. That fight scene when they when Wahlberg is fighting with with uh, Burt Reynolds is where I think like he got him so mad in that scene. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson got Burt Reynolds so angry with the direction in that scene. I think they came to blows or something, or he got into his face or something, and that's like a legend of the of the shoot. So. So what what has been your like relationship with the movie like over the years? I always check back in with it, you know. Like you were saying, you hadn't seen it since '97 or or since it was out on VHS. I saw it out on VHS, which would have been like mm, sometime in the middle of like spring semester '98, and like I I remember watching it, but like when I saw it, I was extraordinarily I was like with like a girl I was kind of seeing at like a friend of hers apartment and we just all got like very drunk on like cheap red wine and he's like have you guys seen Boogie Nights yet? I just got it! (laughs) And so we watched Boogie Nights and I was just like I remember the first half really well and then like the back half was literally just me going like oh right! Like when I rewatched it yesterday (laughs) so yeah, I, I try to watch it once a year at least. Um, if it's on cable, I'll watch it. Uh, if it's if it's on like a channel that doesn't cut out all the good parts, but or edit it down, um, it's funny to watch the cut down version. Too. <laughs> it's on like FX or something. Um, but yeah, I, I listen to the soundtrack. I have this soundtrack probably. I make mixtapes a lot. Awesome mixes. <laughs> 
number six. Uh, I so I have Boogie Nights songs scattered across a ton of mixed uh, tapes and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I always. I mean, when I make my films, I feel like everything I make, I'm ripping off Boogie Nights or doing it, <laughs> doing a scene or something out of Boogie Nights. Like my dream is to do a um, a movie like Boogie Nights someday. Um, you know, I, I did make a movie called Jacuzzi Nights, <laughs> but it does not have a disco in it. It just has a hot tub party, which I guess is in Boogie Nights. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's a jacuzzi, though, isn't it? Um, that's a really nice jacuzzi in that movie. Um, so I'm always checking in with it. Um, it's always on my top movie list. Um, people that, you know... People that haven't seen it should definitely check in with it. It's it's not the movie you think it is. If you think it's just a uh, a nudie flick, it's not. It's a drama. It's a family film. So, you also have a podcast. Yes, that it that is called Taco the Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did that start? Uh, I started it a couple. Uh, was it la- last uh, fall? Or not two falls ago. So fall of uh, 2017. Um, we're on episode 60 today, 63, 64. Um, so I try to do an episode a week. Try to eat an, at a new taco place every week. I'm on a mission to eat every taco in Kansas City <laughs> slash Lawrence and in surrounding taco towns. So. Um, I always try to mix in Lawrence and go to Lawrence at least once every five, six shows because there's a lot of good tacos up here. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I've got a list of like 180 places. So I'm on, I'm just on episode 64. <laughs> so I've got a ways to go. Uh, like, how did it get started? Like, was it just like was was like the mission first and then the podcast? Um, they, like. I was hanging out with my executive producer, Chris Garibaldi, from Lotus Pool Records, and uh, we were we were eating a lot of tacos. Every time we'd go out, we'd eat, eat tacos, and he's like, Dave, what's up with you and tacos? Because um, I guess I would always order the tacos, <laughs> and he would always have, like, you know, fajitas or burrito, and I was like, I just, I eat a lot of tacos, man. I, I eat tacos almost every other meal. Um, he's like, man, you should do a... Uh, should do a taco review column in the local newspaper. <laughs> I was like, well, what about a podcast? And he's like, yeah. So we just, the wheels started turning and, uh, that's, he's the executive producer of the show. So, um, we sometimes recorded his studio and then other times we record live at the taco place. So, um, I just thought, you know, I want to taste all the tacos in Kansas city. There's a lot of places I haven't eaten. So I get to eat at a new place every week. And, uh, we have guests on every week. Sometimes we'll let the guests choose the place. Other times places will reach out to us and ask us to review their tacos. But there's more than just taco talk, even though we do talk a lot of taco. But um, we we talk about other stuff, too. So and we talk about Kansas City. We talk about Lawrence. We talk about music. Um, I have, I've had local celebrities on, um, actors, uh, voiceover people. So it's fun. You get to record like an episode at Arrowhead, right? Yeah, yeah. They, like, uh, they reached out to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They um they said we've got some new tacos uh, this season. Do you want to come taste test them? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and they also gave us free tickets to a game. <laughs> so we recorded there at, before the game, and then we got to stay and watch the game. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. And we also recorded at uh, Kauffman Stadium, and they uh, they hooked us up with some great tacos and. 
we did one at Allen Fieldhouse last about a year ago this time. Um, we had salty iguana tacos, and we had the voice of uh, the the announcer at Allen Fieldhouse, Eric, Eric Danielson, was on that episode. So, and Marlins man, you know Marlins man? Do you no, know that guy? No. He's this guy that always wears Marlins gear wherever he goes, and he shows up at all these sporting events, <laughs> and he always has a seat either in the front row or behind home plate, and you know it's him because. He's wearing a bright orange Marlins shirt, and he's become famous for being the Marlins man. He's like the sign guy. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And he's he's always at Allen Fieldhouse, and he's from Miami. <laughs> and uh, he walked by, and we're like, hey, Marlins man, you want to tell us about Miami tacos? So we even had Marlins man on one time. And his big thing was he really he really likes lettuce on his tacos. Huh. That was his thing. So, Do you have a, 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 a preferred... Uh, presentation for tacos. Uh, I I mean I love them all. I, uh, I I there's not a taco that I don't like. I've never met a taco I didn't like. Um, growing up, I was you know strictly suburban hard shell tacos. But once I've discovered the authentic street tacos, it's kind of hard to go back. But mm. I always I mix it up. I, I usually get one of each. Um, I'm not doing too many flour. Uh, tortillas these days. Um, I like more of the corn, but uh, I I've been eating all sorts of new kinds of tacos. So um, I'm I'm discovering new tacos every day. Has there been any like ones that were just strange? Uh, you don't have to name the place, but like the someone someone surprised me with a lingua, and I'd never had lingua before. That's which right. Is, that's. That's your favorite? That's, uh, like either that or, uh, no, I'd say like Lingua's probably yeah. top. It was, uh, it was kind of mushy because I've had Lingua since then and it wasn't as, as mushy as that one, so I think I had a bad Lingua. I think it's got some good chew to it. Yeah. yeah. Like, not chewy, but, I mean, because tongue can be chewy. I had one last night and it was way better than the first Lingua I had and it was a little chewy, so... There's some place in Olathe I can never remember the name of, but it's over by like a like an antique mall and a Hardee's. They're oh, in like K seven. You told like me about that place. Almost fifty six. I I can't remember the name of it. And I know I, like, what you're I, talking about. I've, I've driven past there before. Yeah, they're good. I ate there one day just because I was like on my way back from like something in Lee's Summit, and I was just like, fuck it. Like I'm gonna go, uh, uh, hit thrift stores and antique malls and. In Olathe, because it's on the way home. And <laughs> that's a good one right next there. That's a pretty, pretty nice antique place great. right there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like those tacos. Like, it was and my favorite part was like they have like if you go to Taco Zone, they have you know like the the pickled veggies that you can get on the side. They have those, but rather than like presenting them to you, they just have literally a small bucket. Yep, with a dipper. Yeah, and I was like. All right, I'm I'm coming back here. <laughs> I haven't been back there since last year, and I need to I need to return. I got to review them um, now that you're telling me about this uh, this big bucket of stuff. Yeah, I need to go there. It's really good. Yeah, I've I've discovered that the motherland of tacos in Kansas City is definitely in KCK. Oh yeah, uh, or on of course on Southwest Boulevard, mm. but KCK has some of the best in in the town. So. You can't really go wrong. There's one Benito Michoacan on Minnesota Avenue, and then there's El Camino Real, which is one of my tops. And then San Antonio's is great. Um, but there's all, I mean, that's, you can't go wrong. And also on uh, on Southwest Boulevard, I think there's like eight taco places just in one little block. So 
Um, I've always wanted to do like a taco tour, taco pub crawl, (laughs) taco crawl where you just kind of eat at one place uh, throughout the day and go down Southwest Boulevard or KCK. Oh, El Torito too is also really good in KCK. So many good authentic taco places over there. So how can folks uh, find Taco the Town? Uh, We're on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, and Podbean, um, just Taco the Town. And I'm on Instagram at Taco the Town KC and uh, Twitter at Taco the Town KC. And we usually have new episodes every Taco Tuesday. So either Taco Tuesday or Taco Wednesday if we don't have it done by Taco (laughs) Tuesday. So, um, and we just do a new taco place every week and we, we're, we're kind of going down the list and, uh, maybe a couple more years at it and we might be done, but there's new taco places (laughs) opening up all the time. So. Awesome. What's your favorite taco place in Lawrence? My favorite taco place in Lawrence, like surprisingly, I like Burrito King. Yeah, uh, done like their tacos are legit. Um, I like Taco Zone. Um, yeah, Taco Zone's great. Like my favorite, like it's not technically a taco place, but uh, like Trace Mexicanos uh, over at Twenty Third and Harper. Like you're almost out of town, but like that's like our go-to Mexican joint, and I just I love. Like, they do, like, you can get really cheap carnitas tacos on Tuesday, or you can get, like, a, just a carnitas plate for, like, six bucks. Um, like, they're great. Uh, and I think my favorite part about that restaurant, aside from the fact that the food's always good, is it is, there's never, I've never been there and there's been, like, somebody who's being, like, a dick. Which I think <laughs> is, like, a really weird thing to judge a restaurant on as they face on their customers. But, like... It's really strange, like, the number of times I've been to, like, restaurants where, like, things have been going really well, but, like, there are other people there who were being terrible. Never been, like, nobody who goes there is an asshole. And I think that's, that's my favorite part of it, is that I know that I can go there and, like, the service will be great, the food will be great, and, like, the music over the speakers will be great, but also, like, I know, like, the other people there will be cool. <laughs> Which is, and I'm like, that's that's enough to. That's keep what you me need, yeah. That's what you need in your your neighborhood taco joint. So, well, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to Dave for speaking with me. You can find him on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Taco the Town KC, and you can subscribe to the Taco the Town podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Podbean. You can find this show on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod and at our website, fromaninspiredby.com. I'll be on the next episode of Talk of the Town, along with musician Caitlin Conroy, visiting Lawrence's Lucia Beer Garden and Grill. It was a blast and a half to do, and you can look for it on Tuesday, February 26th. Please hit up the website and click on the Give Us Money button to help us pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking about the long-lost soundtrack to Stinker Let's Loose with Mark Razzo. Until then, thanks for listening. 
You got the touch. You got the power.